0: Hello, welcome to The Guiding Light on Route 66, a new podcast for the community of St. Francis of Rome in Azusa. And my name is Jaime Munoz. I'm the host, and here I have Father Richard Vega joining us today. Hey, how are you there? we will go over a few topics today uh, about ourselves and kind of jump into logistics. Uh, but this is a new way that we want to try to communicate with the different masses, especially now that we don't have bulletins and are trying to move forward in a different way. So welcome, Father Richard. Hey, Jaime, how you doing? Good, good. What is it that you do, Father, during the day? Some people would say I do nothing,
1: but uh, no, uh, I'm the pastor of St. Francis of Rome here in Azusa. I've been pastor. This I'm actually on my ninth year now, and um, what I do primarily is celebrate the sacramental life of the church. I also do the administration of the parish community. I also uh, collaborate with uh, Miss Janice Mendez on the running of the school. And unfortunately right now with the pandemic, we're trying to figure out how to be church in a kind of a a different way. Most of us have been safer at home since March 15th. We had a little opening there where we were back in the church, but unfortunately we saw a spike in the number of coronavirus cases. And so we were, were back outside. So it's really learning how to be church in a very different world and in a different environment which is is a challenge for all of us. So I would say right now my my biggest job is learning how to be a, a pastor and guide a church in, in a pandemic.
0: That is true. These are these are things that aren't really taught. They're learned no, on the way.
1: No, they didn't teach any of this <laughs> in the seminary.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, the times were changing, no. It was a different council and then from on forward, how to implement that council, new generations that are rising, the influx of technology as well coming into the picture, cell phones, social media, but now you have also pandemic. Yeah, I would say probably the, this, the technology piece is something very, very new.
1: I know that I had been approached by our previous uh, music director about trying to do some um, technology pieces in the church. And I think the furthest we got was trying to record uh, the baptisms at the paschal vigil on holy saturday for uh, a kind of a commemorative sake and i know we had talked about maybe putting music on the walls so that we wouldn't have to rely on missiles and oh, like projected on the walls yeah projected on oh. the walls oh, see i'm sorry that's i don't know <laughs> something on the wall yeah it's projected on the wall and then the other one, which is brand new, is this whole thing of live transmissions, where we're able to use the, the social media platform of either YouTube or, or Facebook, in order to make mass available to
0: people. Nice. And now we also have this podcast, The Guiding Light on Route 66. Yeah, this is a, this is a very different experience than what I would have ever imagined or thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, so. The name has a significance to it. Do you want to explain it a little bit more? Sure. When you look at the um,
1: St. Francis of Rome and her life, one of the things that uh, comes out very clearly, she had a, a very unique relationship with her guardian angel. And uh, Francis of Rome is always pictured in uh, iconography with either a light or a lamp. And the reason is because her guardian angel would illuminate the path around her, especially when she would go out at night to attend to the poor or attend to the sick. And so uh, it would guide her path. And since um, even in our current um, stationary and things, there is that that semblance of the light that surrounds uh, Francis of Rome, which for us not only the angel, but the idea of God, God's presence surrounding her, guiding her, leading her. And so when we were talking about the podcast, uh, we were talking about the fact of how do we bring in the light? Some of the uh, suggestions we had were already being utilized by other people, so we couldn't go down that path. But we, the church is actually located on Route uh, 66 on 501 East Foothill Boulevard. And uh, for those of us that are
0: old enough, I was about to say, can you, can you explain the <laughs>
1: yeah. what is Route sixty six? We 66 see these signs everywhere. Was a very popular route before either anybody that's in this room was ever born, and so it, it, prior to freeways, prior to planes, trains, and the rest of the gang, there was a um, a direct way to go from the East Coast to the West Coast, and that was Route sixty six, and
0: just one road that connected. East
1: to West? We would say probably East to West, yeah, because it would come from the other way. You know, out here on the West, this was the Forbidden Zone, the Wild West, the unknown territory. Golden California. Golden California. It's not as so golden, but it is still Golden California. And so anyway, when we're talking about this, since the church is located on Foothill Boulevard, and Foothill Boulevard is part of Route 66, and the idea of Francis's Light, and the idea that we are uh, called to be the light of christ in the world by virtue of baptism we thought the idea of the guiding light on route 66 would be kind of faithful to our uh, our name as our patron francis of rome and at the same time our, our role in the world to be that light uh, if you remember when uh, the day we were baptized the deacon or the priest hands our parents and a godparents a candle and says receive the light of christ and it says, keep this light burning brightly. And so that's what we're trying to do. Uh, in today's environment, we're trying to keep that light of Christ burning brightly through our own lives and through our own actions. And so we wanna be that light, that guiding light on Route 66.
0: Nice, nice. And this transitions well into our topic, a little bit to know about us. Um, and and I'll, I'll begin with a few questions, Father. Um, where do you feel you picked up your faith? What was a source of influence, and what? what?
1: I, I think my faith comes from my uh, very clearly from my family, and, and I think a lot of it came from my grandmother. I mean, my um, my dad was not Catholic when he married my mom, and for many years was not. A, he was a Christian. In fact, his family was Foursquare. I, I think most people would be surprised that my parents were both not Catholic. Oh, John my mom. Wesley Foursquare. Yes. Um, (laughs) yes oh very good and so and so um when he married my mom uh he was not catholic and everyone just assumes my parents were both born here in the united states and so uh, people are shocked when they find out that my dad was not a catholic And, and so um my grandmother uh in fact i was her godchild there's only two of us my uh my cousin guillermo and my myself are her only two godchildren and so uh whenever she would come to visit she would always take me to church and it, well at that time we had the church there on the corner of uh, Lorena and garnett and so we'd go visit all the saints and i'd spend time with her so she was a great source of strength then as we grew older my mom wanted to make sure we we went to catholic school my cousins did and so we we all went to my local home parish which was uh resurrection in east los angeles and so that's where i went but family was uh was a big part of the faith base of where i learned my faith and
0: uh i I came to understand god in, in my life nice nice yeah and that clearly did have a huge effect on you you're now a priest yeah, although Jesus my Christ. my
1: aunts and uncles don't think <laughs> <laughs> they used to say,
0: "God, I don't know that you're going to be ever be a priest." But surprise, <laughs> <laughs> and here you are, still kicking strong. Yes. Uh, what is it about this faith that you like so much that you decided to become a servant to it? Uh, I would think that uh, you know when I was when I was a
1: child in Catholic school, I, I was always surprised at the number of people who would come to our parish priests. When I was growing up, it was Monsignor Garcia and it was uh, Father John Steinbach and Father uh, John Grew. And actually there were four priests at our place at the time, Father Al Crowell. And I I was always surprised at how people were willing to kind of reveal themselves, their most intimate pieces of of themselves to the priest, whether it be in confession or just in conversation and how we could be very vulnerable uh, in the presence of the priest. And and so that vulnerability allowed God to touch their lives, to redirect their lives, to grace their lives. And so that that was something that really uh, kind of impacted me that when when I would see how people would unburden themselves or tell their deepest, darkest secret and not expecting judgment, but rather expecting uh, support encouragement counsel that really opened me to the idea of maybe that i I wanted to be a priest so that i could help facilitate god's love and god's presence to other people Mm.
0: yeah very very good points uh to to be able to be involved in this you have to find something you like and oh absolutely yeah. yeah um if other people wanted to know more about you what else would you tell them well, I think most people would be surprised
1: that i'm one of the few actually native californians uh, i was born here in california um uh, my uh, my sister uh and my brother too still live uh, pretty close to the area my brother lives in whittier california and my sister lives there in east l.a still pretty close to our, our family home um my parents really never moved far away my mom was only born like four blocks from where we oh, wow. currently live. And uh, my dad was actually born in um, what today would we would say is Northridge, California. But in, in those days, in the 20s, uh, was Zelza. It was actually a train station uh, in the area that he was born at. So he lived kind of in the, the Northridge area where uh, CSUN and those places are at. Um, the other thing people would be surprised is that I'm a, a lifer i went to the high school seminary in uh actually in september 9th of 1971 is when i entered the high school seminary. 71. yeah and so and I, I think most people would be surprised that i've been a priest now
0: for 38 years so when you say lifer you're you saying that you entered seminary as high school right like you I started went, I, high school at yeah. the seminary yeah i went four years of high school how old were you when you entered i had i was 13. 13 years old
1: yeah so I went to the high school, I went to our college, and I went to our graduate
0: school at St. John's Theology. So four years of high school seminary, four years of college seminary, and then four years of theological seminary for a total of 12 years. Correct. Wow. And that's a lifer. That's a lifer. And do they have lifers as much anymore? or No one really uses
1: that title anymore because we don't have a high school seminary, but that was pretty much the uh, the tag that we got. You had to have gone to the high school And there were uh, guys that would go to, for example, in those days we had the the Capuchins used to have uh, a minor seminary over in uh, La Cañada. And the Vincentians used to have a high school seminary over in Montebello, California. And the Franciscans, the OFMs, used to have a minor seminary up in the um, Santa Barbara area. So if you went to any of those and continued or you crossed, From a religious community to back to the diocesan, you would be considered a lifer. But it was going through those three
0: stages, high school, college,
1: and then uh, theological graduate school.
0: Uh And the high school seminary that you attended, was it considered part of a religious order as well, or did you enter?
1: No, it was not part of a religious community. It was uh, actually our first uh, high school seminary, which is today uh, Daniel Murphy High School, was uh, a day school. It's only when we moved the high school to uh, San Fernando, Our Lady, Queen of the Angels, that it became a boarding school, and so the guys stayed there. Mm -hmm. And once it became the boarding school, then it became more of a a seminary rather than just a a high school for, for guys to come and go.
0: Nice. So it was for like the diocesan priesthood?
1: Yes, it was primarily for diocesan priesthood.
0: What would you say is the difference between a diocesan priesthood and a religious priesthood? I would say the big difference is that we are
1: um, kind of in in a self-contained area. So, for example, when I entered the high school seminary, uh, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles Angeles was comprised of L.A. County, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, and Orange County. So you could be assigned anywhere in the Orange County area all the way up to uh, Nukuyama or up to Santa Maria. And uh, it would come up, it butts up against the Fresno diocese. So it butts up against Fresno, uh, Orange, I'm, I'm not sorry, uh, Fresno, Monterey, and at that time would have
0: been uh, San Bern- uh, San Diego. Nice. And so diocesan refers to a particular area, geographical area. Correct. And what about religious? Religious are, are
1: those that follow a particular charism. Uh, for example, um, might be teaching, might be uh, medical, uh, might be missionary, might be educational. And so the primary focus is on that particular charism of the community. And then that they also may be priests. Uh, at one time in my life, I was, oh, I think that's maybe some people would be surprised. I had given serious consideration to joining the Cistercians up at Our, Our Lady of New Clairvaux up in Avina, California. Who they be the the cistercians are a group of uh monks who uh prayer and solitude they're uh, kind of um were founded by bernard of clairvaux in the middle ages and are kind of based on the rule of saint benedict mm. and so prayer and work are their are there two main components so at one time i had given thought to religious life but as a monk but then when I was in a college, I, I went to visit them, and um, I, I, I understood that God was calling me back to diocesan life.
0: Ah, so you were looking into a life with the Cistercian monks. As I was. With prayer, work, and solitude. Yes. But here you're now a diocesan priest surrounded by a multitude of people who constantly try to buy for your attention. What, <laughs> what made you want to make the switch, or what, what made you want to confirm yourself with the diocesan priesthood?
1: Well, I think the uh, it was when they told me that there was no guarantees that I could be a priest. Why is that? Well, at that time, I mean, for religious communities, uh, they don't really need a whole lot of priests, and especially when you're self-contained. So we'll say there's 25 monks living in an area. Well, they only need like one or two priests to minister to their needs. And so the rest are all, uh, what we would say, brothers. And, And so at the time, after the Second Vatican Council, there was a re-examination of what is the role of a brother, what is the role of a priest within monastic life. And so once I heard that, I realized that I really wanted to be a priest. I wanted to be able to bring the sacraments to people. I wanted to be probably more relational uh, to people, even though sometimes it it does get overwhelming. Uh, The the key piece is that uh, I need to be a a relationship person. Uh, relationship to god relationship to other people and relationship to myself so
0: that's probably why I, I chose to continue the the journey on on diocesan priesthood well i'm glad you chose the diocesan and priesthood. brought you over here to azusa yes it did <laughs> so it, it lets us transition actually pretty smoothly over to our logistics portion of this podcast uh so logistics are, is going to kind of involve on giving you updates on what saint francis of rome is doing and uh, giving you news things that normally would be in a bulletin or would be announced at Mass, but because things are limited right now, we are now gonna do this over the podcast. So what can you give us um, on some information at St. Francis of Rome, Father? Well, the first thing is St. Francis of Rome is open for
1: Sunday celebrations of Mass. While most people are looking at Mass on the live transmission at 11 o'clock in English, at the one o'clock in Spanish, Uh, And again, via uh, Facebook or YouTube, we are having our our, our, our Sunday schedule, which is 5 o'clock on Saturday evening, 7 o'clock in Spanish on Sunday evening, and then again, 7 o'clock Sunday morning, uh, 9 o'clock in English, 11 o'clock in English, and 1 o'clock in Spanish. Right now, we're not having our 5 p.m. youth mass. Uh, We weren't getting the numbers that we had hoped. And we think a lot of people may be looking at the live transmission uh, rather than coming to church. Unfortunately, the highest we ever got was 30 people, and the lowest we got was nine. For the
0: 5 o'clock Mass? For the
1: 5 o'clock Mass on Sunday evening. So right now, we're we're having only one Mass. The 5 o'clock is not part of our regular schedule. So when you come to church uh, out in the parking lot, we would ask that you bring a uh, a chair. And at the same time, if you wanna bring your own shade, you, you bring that and then you also bring water or anything like that. And again, since we are still very much dealing with uh, the coronavirus, that make sure you, you bring a mask. And again, remember the mask is to cover your nose and to cover your mouth. So it must be both pieces that are covered. And we try to maintain social distancing. And uh, again, a family that all resides at the same address can can sit together. So if there's five in your family, the five of you can sit together and then six feet between the next person. So we try to do that. Uh, the other thing that is that we are we are hearing confessions on Saturday at 3.30 oh, nice. uh, and that's over on the school side. You park in, in the church parking lot and then you walk over to the school side. You'll see the uh, school benches or... Uh, kind of patio. And there you wait. And both uh, Father Mark and Father Rock and myself are out there on the benches hearing confessions. So confessions are available. Also, we are doing First Friday devotions. Tomorrow is First Friday. So we are having the Blessed Sacrament exposed out in the parking lot. And again, especially uh, we've been having super hot weather. Uh, Today we're supposed to be up around a 100 and 405, so uh, we expect the same tomorrow. So bring your shade, bring sunglasses, bring a chair, and bring some water with you. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll have ex- uh, benediction and
0: the re- the reposing of the Blessed Sacrament. So we invite you to come with that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too— This is all for Friday so far? Yeah, so This is just Friday. So the new things that we have going on at St. Francis Oram, we have Mass, all the weekend functions. It's yeah, these are the weekend functions. Conventions, confessions at 3.30 on Saturday, and then Mass— 5 p.m., 7 p.m. on Saturday, and then 7, 7 a.m., a.m. 9, 9 a.m., 11
1: and 1. Nice. Okay. And then um, we, we've we restarted baptisms. So on the first Saturday of every month, we are having our Spanish baptisms. And on the third Saturday of the month, we are having our um, English baptisms. And we are having our baptismal uh, uh, catechesis done through zoom again that's something that we're starting uh actually i think we started last night was our with our first spanish uh catechesis
0: so that's going to be continuing as we go forward and and who can be baptized father and and who should be baptized and uh, well as for well right now these would be for
1: children that are under the age of five uh any any child born between the ages of you know one day uh, to four years old can be baptized uh, you just need to come either to the office um, between the hours of 10 a.m and 4 o'clock or you can go to our website www.sfrchurch.org and you can find baptismal forms uh, on there and then you can just let us know or you can call there's someone answering uh, the phone every day and the our phone number is 626-969-1829 Again, 626-969-1829, and you can get some information. Um, We've also started, uh, I'm going to jump off a little bit from where you were. Uh, We've also started all of our religious education programs and processes are open. So preparation for First Communion, preparation for confirmation, uh, preparation for Christian initiation for children and adults. And anyone from five years old who's now in school, so they are what we would term catechetical age uh, up until 89, 90, 100 uh, can be baptized. And it's for those that need to be baptized, first giving confirmation. Uh, we are going to start a program uh, in January, but you can start registering now for those individuals who were baptized and made first communion, but for whatever reason, never made their confirmation. And so that's going to start in uh, January, but we're beginning the process now. We've also started the period of inquiry for our Christian initiation process for adults and children. Uh, We also are, um, what else do we have for religious ed? Confirmation, oh, and and just, if you already have made your first communion and your confirmation, uh, we have our junior high ministry. So uh, that's going on. And then we have our youth ministry. If you are uh, not making confirmation because you've already made it, or are beyond uh, uh, being a sophomore in high school. We have our, our high school ministry
0: program too. So those are all things that are happening here at the parish. So all religious education programs are open, baptisms, registrations are open, and then you can be baptized uh, during the weekend, Saturdays, the first of the month, and the third of the month. Mm-hmm. And then you'll also have First Communion programs open. Uh, when do we begin the classes? When when do classes? I think work? we're
1: a lot of these programs don't to start in November. Uh, because uh, part of it is we're still, everyone's still trying to figure out what to do with distance learning. The diocese has asked us to move towards that. And so we're gonna move in in that direction for the the piece. Maybe with the new year, we might go to a hybrid model, but right now, until we get the the all clear from the diocese and from the LA County, uh, we're still in the purple phase. So uh, we're uh, still maintaining somewhat distancing, but we're hoping like Orange County and San Diego County that have moved to different tiers that we might be able to move from the purple tier to a red tier.
0: Nice, nice. All right. So that's what we have for logistics at the moment. And uh, we're going to wrap this up real quick. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you, Father, for coming and being able to explain these different aspects of yourself. And Thanks for the invitation. St. Francis has, yes. This is something new. Very new. um, But I'm hopeful for what it can do.
1: Yeah, it, it's embarking in a whole different way of, of peace. And maybe in one of the next podcasts, we can talk about how we're going to reopen as church once we, we move a, down a little further down the other tiers.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, once we get the go ahead from Archbishop, then I think that would be a very, very productive podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll try to produce these about every week to give you an update on the parish and try to make them less than 25 minutes. Here we went a little bit over. Uh, Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I look forward to seeing you guys on Sunday. This episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66 was recorded in Azusa, California and produced by SFR Media Productions. Music for the intro and outro was used with permission from Epidemic Sound. For music like this and more, please visit EpidemicSound.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit www.sfrchurch.org.